0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. There, there is nobody like our pastor. Is that true? Man, let me just say, stand stated for just a second while, while I honor a man who absolutely doesn't, wouldn't ask for it, but, but needs it. Um, pastor Jacob, thank you so much. Um, again, Tuesday of this week, be 20 years to the day that I walked off an airplane and uh, saw the tallest Mexican I'd ever seen in my life. Coming from West Texas, that says a lot. There's a lot of Mexicans in West Texas. Um, but Pastor Jacob, you have, you have seen more in me than I ever thought I'd see in myself. Um, and I get to stand here today pastoring and leading with a huge head start. Um, there are pastors that don't finish with what Kayla and I are getting to start with. Um, and so thank you very much uh, for that. We honor you. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much. The, the voice behind the man. And uh, I'm honored. And I, don't, I also don't want to miss an opportunity to honor Joseph, um, Pastor Joseph, the fact that you get to grow up and lead the house that you grew up in um, is huge. What an honor, what a privilege. I knew Pastor Joseph when he was in elementary school, and uh, to have a front row seat um, to see what God has done and continue. You could be pastoring anywhere in the country, um, but to pastor not just in your own backyard, but in the house that you grew up in, that says a lot. That says a lot. And I want to join these people today and honor you. And thank you so much uh, for serving here to do that. Um, And last but certainly not least, um, I would not be who I am today if it weren't for my beautiful bride. Thank you, Kayla. Um, I can't even begin to tell you. You know. You you know how much uh, you mean to me and everything else. Let me show you the best thing that she's ever done for me. Um, These are my kiddos. These are the normlets, that's what we call them, the normlets, um, and I usually introduce them this way, um, you too can have a family where all the kids look the same, uh, it just takes a lot of practice, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out uh, at the end of service. Um, you may be seated, thank you so much um, for today, I absolutely have, I've, I've fallen in love and, and bring greetings um, from the people of New Iberia, um, Tabasco country. And uh, it's, it's been amazing watching what God can do in your life if you'll just say yes. Um, I remember being in the parking lot, um, headed in our, our, was at our Youngsville campus, um, when Pastor Jacob called and said, can you go to New Iberia? And I said, absolutely, let's go. Um, and it's just been, my journey has been that. It's been saying yes over and over and over again. And each time watching God do something um, that nobody thought um, God could do. I want to encourage you today, because I I don't know if you know this, but what God is doing here is unprecedented. Um, It's unheard of that a church, that you, could raise up hundreds of people and plant them in a neighboring community like you did in Youngsville, only to have the gap left by them filled back up with people that we've continued to reach. Uh, Y'all do know that that doesn't happen regularly. I don't know if you notice, you look around and you see new faces. That's because God is, is bringing new families here today. And I love to stand at the back of our service and and greet the individuals as they come. And and this is something I believe with all my heart, every new family that God brings into a church like this is his way of saying, I can trust you with them. I can trust you with them. Have you know God loves his children? God loves his children more than we ever could. And the fact that God would choose, of all the churches in this area, for you to come and worship today. Can I just say that honors us? That honors us. And it's a challenge to us. It's sobering that we would think that God would, would trust us um, to help lead you on your spiritual journey. So can I just say thank you um, so much for being here today. Um, I want to tell you a story, um, and it starts um, and ends uh, with my beautiful bride, Kayla. Um, you've heard the phrase, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. You've heard that before this was my chance. It was our first date. And Kayla had harassed me and stalked me for months. <laughs> Would you please go out with me? Would you please go out with me? Would you please go out with me? No. Truth be told, it was the other way around, and y'all know better than that. And this was our first date. Um, we had lived. We were in the internship program that our, that our church has. And so we were living. She lived in a girl's dorm at the Broussard campus. I lived in the boy's dorm. And I needed a place to go restaurant wise. I I wasn't too familiar with the Lafayette area, and so I did what every great man of God would do. He asked his pastor, Where should we go for our first date? Pastor Jacob told me about this place named Zia's. Have you heard of it? Come on, somebody. Thai ribs, Asian almond shrimp, roasted corn grits. Are you hungry yet? Don't worry, you will be by the time this is over. And being, being a good man of God, I followed my pastor's direction, but you have to understand this. Our first date was supposed to be at Zia's, but it ended up being at Mel's Diner. And you say, well, Pastor Don, how do you start out at Zia's and then end up at Mel's Diner? Here's what I need you to understand about Kayla. Kayla is the spontaneous one. She is the, let's just go, we'll figure it out as we get there. Yours truly is not. I am the, I have to have a plan. We need to have a structure there. How, this is how we're doing this. First we do this, then we do this. I have to plan to be spontaneous. Okay. Like it, it's, it's that bad in our relationship, but I knew this about her and I knew that she would enjoy. So the plan was we were just going to get in a car and I had everything figured out and she was just going to be surprised. We would show up, and, and she would be surprised and think, oh, this is an amazing place, and you're an amazing person, you'll make an amazing husband, and we'll have five amazing kids, and it was all just, I had it all planned out, every bit of it along the way. Now, for those of you that are wondering, how do you miss getting to Zia's, it was back in the day when you didn't have GPS on your phones. We had this cool thing, the latest technology, it was called MapQuest. And kids, I know this is hard for you to imagine, but you could go online and you could download instructions. It would tell you turn by turn directions, go 0.4 miles, take a right hand turn, go 2.2 two miles, take a left hand turn. But I couldn't roll up into my first date with seven pages of MapQuest directions, flipping the, flipping the pages, making sure. I, so I memorized them. I memorized these directions. Y'all, y'all already starting on me. <laughs> Memorize these directions. If I start off in Broussard, I get on that Cade St. Martinville Highway, and I go all the way down that blinking uh, red light and make a, a turn. This was before the ambassador extension, right? That's at least, That's worth at least two pages of instructions right there. Snaking through Broussard, La Nouvelle, past the sins up there. You remember when it used to come out on Verrott School Road, and then you had to come over on Verrat and then get up on ambassador? It was not an easy task to memorize all those directions. Needless to say, we are going, and we were almost in Maurice. <laughs> By the time Kayla asked the question, hey, where, where are we headed? And I said, well, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm the direction guy. You just, you just enjoy it. And then we get further and further and further, and she finally says, no, really, where, where are we supposed to be going? Fine this point, I was kind of lost. And I said, well, we're supposed to go to this, this restaurant called Zia's. Pastor Jacob said it was great. We're going to go get some Thai ribs and some Asian almond shrimp and some roasted corn grits. And she says, well, I, I, I think Zia's is that way. Did you miss a turn? I said, maybe, <laughs> maybe. And in case you hadn't seen this side of, of Lafayette, here it is. So we turned around and we went the other direction. By the time we got there, um, we walked in. The hostess said, so glad you're here, um, but the kitchen is closed. Um, you, can't, you, can't, you can't come. There's no Thai ribs left. There's no Asian almond shrimp left. There's no roasted corn grits. Are you hungry yet? I told you I'm going to work on you. My goal is to get a kickback from Zia's today before this is all said and done. And uh, so we went to the only place I knew that was still open. Come on, Mel's Diner, bailing a brother out. So let me tell you. I romanced her over some chrome furniture, neon lights, (laughs) poodle skirts on the wall, brownie sundae. It worked. It, It absolutely worked. And you say, well, Pastor Don, how did you end up at Mel's Diner? That's the story, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. Sure, I had a picture of what our first date was supposed to look like, but I lacked two things. I lacked a map, and I lacked a tour guide to help me know when I was getting off course. And I ended up settling on Mel's when I could have had Zia's. And you say, well, that's a sweet story, Pastor Don, but I think, I think I just described a lot of our spiritual journeys here in in life. How many of you know one long, one wrong turn can send you on a completely different journey? And the reality is uh, I started off with the best of intentions, Pastor Don, but I had a picture of what walking with God was going to look like, but somewhere along the way, I ended up settling for just attending church. If I'm honest with you today, I feel stuck. I feel I feel stuck. I, I love God, but I'm I'm wandering around aimlessly in my spiritual life. I've got no direction. I've got no steps to take, no one to help me get there. I attend church, but I'm not growing spiritually. You don't have to raise your hand. Just wink at your pastor when you know he's he's doing good up here on the stage. How about you? That's my question today. How about you? Are you growing? Do you have next steps to take? Do you know where you're supposed to be headed? Or if you, are you looking at your spiritual life saying, I had the best of intentions, but somewhere along the way, I ended up somewhere I didn't intend to be? I read about this um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The apostle Paul is talking, and here's, here's what he says. He likens our lives to running a race. He says, do you not know that in, all, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. Look at this. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Here's the picture. You've seen the ancient Olymp- uh, Greek Olympics where the runners are running, and at the end, the winner gets a crown. It's a, it's a wreath made of olive leaves and olive branches. And over time, what do you think happens to that wreath? It turns brown. It, it gets old. It falls apart. You've kept flowers. Some of you have your bouquet from your wedding hanging up in a closet somewhere. doesn't look the same, does it? It, it perishes. He's saying there are those people that run for a prize that eventually is going to wear out. But how many of you know we're running for a different prize? something that doesn't wear out, something that's going to last forever. And he says it's much more important that you learn how to run for the things that will last instead of running for the things that won't last. Some of us have been running for wealth and, and posterity and position, and we've been running for take that job promotion or to get our kids in that school. And he's telling us those things are going to perish. It's going to come to a point where it withers and doesn't look the same that it did. I remember years ago, the first time I heard Pastor Jacob say that most men spend all of their health trying to gain wealth and then end up spending all of their wealth trying to regain their health. All runners exercise self-control. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. Look what he says. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. That boxer beating the air is putting forth the same amount of effort, but nothing comes from that effort. Could it be that we could show up in church looking like Christians, doing all the Christian things? We we come to the service and we raise our hands and we get all the nice clothes on and we act like we haven't fought with our wife and kids on the way to get to church. And we walk in here and we look like we're doing all the right Christian things, but inside we're stuck. We're running aimlessly. We're beating the air and we realize I'm nowhere I, where I used to be, right? I'm stuck in neutral. I used to be going forward, but I'm trying to not go in reverse At this point in time, Paul says that there's two ways to run this race, but only one way to reach the prize. One way is to run aimlessly, where it looks like you're running, but you aren't going anywhere. And the other way is to run intentionally, taking next steps, each one getting you closer and closer to where God wants you to be. A blessed life, a life of fulfillment. I wasn't getting to Zia's on my own. I needed a map of steps to take, and I needed a tour guide to help me get there. And I got news for you today. You're not going to get where God wants you to go all by yourself either. You need a map. You need some steps to take. You need a tour guide, somebody to help you along the way. You may know Pastor Sean Boudreaux, our associate pastor at our New Iberia location. He and I have built a phenomenal relationship um, since I've been there. And Pastor Sean says this about himself. He says, I'm directionally challenged. He says, every time I go visit my mom, I put the address in my phone and it tells me the turn-by-turn the turn turn directions. And I don't know if I believe him about being that directionally challenged, but how many of you use your cell phone pretty much everywhere you go, right? You just like to go that direction, all that. Here's what he said. He said, if I give my phone permission to know where I'm at, it can tell me everywhere I need to go. But if it says, can I have permission to use your GPS to know where you're at? If I say no, it can't help me. I thought, man, how powerful is that? Think about all the people that I've walked with and talked to along the way that I'm trying to help them get where God wants them to be, but they're unwilling to be honest. They're unwilling to let us know where they're at. And I got news for you. If you'll tell me where you're at, I can tell you how to get where God wants you to go. It's just like that. Look over at your neighbor and say, where are you at? Neighbor, look back and say, on my way to Zia's today. So when you hear Pastor Joseph and I talk about Next Steps, this intro to Next Steps environment, I need you to understand this is not some class that we're trying to get you to so that you can fill in some blanks and learn more about our church and then help us do some things here in And No, no, this is the most important and best environment I can ask you to come to because it's the only way I know how to help you discover where you're at and introduce you to somebody to help you get where you're going. And if you're here in church today and you feel stuck, I promise you, intro to next steps will help you get unstuck, not because we have it all figured out, but because God has it figured out. And he's going to connect you with somebody that can walk with you if you'll give them permission to know where you're at. I need you to understand two things today, and then we can go get some Z's together. Here's the first one. Number one, your spiritual journey consists of next steps. Your spiritual journey consists of next steps. You and I, for as long as we'll be living, will always be taking next steps. There will be one step and then the next and then the next. I remember a couple years ago when I got to New Iberia, I met a young man named Trent. Trent hadn't been attending the campus for very long, didn't know much about Christianity. Started attending our prayer meetings we have on Monday nights and one Monday night after service, Trent comes up, grabs me and Ryan and I were sitting there talking and he said, hey, can can I visit with you for a little bit? I've got some questions. I need to know what I need to do with my life. I said, well, absolutely. I had somebody waiting on me for a counseling meeting. Pastor Ryan, who leads our Abbeville campus, says, man, I'll I'll visit with you. So the two of them go off on the side and they sit down and they talk. And I hear this story after the fact. Well, Trent is unloading with Ryan everything that's going on in his life, and since he's been coming to church, he's been seeing more and more, and just hungry and hungry, and I need to know what to do, but this is going on in my life, and this is going on, and this is going on, and Ryan looks out at me and says, man, that's, that's tough. That's tough. Let, let me tell you, I'm going to be fasting this week. Why don't you fast with me? Trent's like, well, I don't, I don't know what fasting is, so Ryan explains to it. he says, I do it regularly. It's a time where I, I go without eating, something that's very important to me. And instead of eating, I replace it with Bible reading and prayer time. And I seek God's face for some direction. And I found in my life that when I, when I let go of something like that, God usually fills the gap with some direction for me to go. And Trent said, "Well, well, I'm in. So the two of them fast that week. The next week, Trent is visiting with his mama, and his mama's noticed the things that are going on in his life and considered it an open door to start sharing with him what's going on in her life. And he looks at his mama across from the dinner table and says, Mom, that's tough. That's tough. I'm going to be fasting this week. Why don't you fast with me? And here's a guy who's only had one step since he's been coming to church, and that's to fast. And what's he doing? He's, He's sharing that step with her. So they do, and the next week, he's driving a coworker from the Cadiana area all the way down to Fouchon, and the guy is sitting there in the, in the passenger seat. hears the Christian music on the radio and starts talking to him about his relationship and his past, and Trent looks over at him and says, man, that's tough, but let me tell you, I'm gonna be fasting this week, and if you'll join me, we can fast together. Now, I don't know how many meals Trent has missed <laughs> along the way. He's just been doing the step that he saw to do along the way, and I'll tell you this, we had the honor and privilege of baptizing Trent's uncle this last weekend. He's been continuing to go and take those steps, and here's what Trent will tell you. I'm nowhere where I need to be, But I've been doing the things that people have been putting in front of me to do. I've just been taking these steps, and now people that used to see me back here don't see me where I used to be. They see me right here, and I forgot I was growing. I just started taking all of these steps. Paul says it this way, those of you that are thinking, there's no way God could use me to help somebody like Trent. He says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. When was the last time you used those two words to describe your spiritual life? Passion and purpose. Could it be that if you start taking steps along the way, passion and purpose would come back into your spiritual walk? Paul says this. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what he's saying. It's a discipleship word. And I know we use that a lot in church, and it can be hard to understand. What does discipleship mean? What does it look like? How do I know? I would give you this illustration. It looks like walking in the snow. If I were walking in the snow, I would be leaving footprints behind. And you could follow me by doing what? Putting your feet in those same footprints. And somewhere along the way, you lose track of following me. You wouldn't have to know where I am. I could be so far ahead of you. It wouldn't matter. You'd have footprints in order to continue to walk. That's what Paul's saying. When he says, follow me as I follow Christ, he's saying this. Hey, put your feet where my feet went. Do the things that I did, go the steps that I take, turn the the turns that I made, and you'll end up to the same place that I did. Don't try to memorize the MapQuest directions and show off for the girlfriend. Just take the next step that's right in front of you. Pastor Sean and I were discussing uh, a couple trips we had taken years ago. He and I both have had the privilege to go to Israel and visit the Holy Land. And I assumed that because I had been to Israel and he had been to Israel, that we had gone to the same places, and that wasn't it at all. And we started to realize that both of us went to the same destination but had two entirely different journeys getting there, and it occurred to us that we had two different tour guides. I had a tour guide that sat down with me and opened up a brochure of all the places we could go, all the steps to take, all the things to visit. And he asked me this question, hey, have you been anywhere What's God doing in your life? What are the things that you're interested in? Where do you think we need to go while we're on this trip? And, he had, and the tour guide asked Pastor Sean the same question, got different answers, and took a different journey. Same destination, different journey along the way. That tour guide used a map. And with a map and knowledge of where we had been, he was able to get us where we needed to go. And can I tell you, walking with somebody Who's helping you take next steps in your spiritual journey? That's discipleship. You're being discipled when you do that. But also, when you help someone else take next steps in their spiritual journey, that's called discipleship as well. You are actually discipling others when you help them take their next steps. When Jesus said, Go make disciples, here's what he was saying Go help people take next steps along their spiritual journey. And that's what we've been trying to do here at our Savior's Church for the last 25 years helping people take next steps along their journey and we're so passionate about helping you we made a map we took all the next steps that you could possibly take and we put them on one piece of paper and we have this map that we've been using to help people who have said hey this is where I'm at can you help me get where I need to go I've got a picture I'm going to show you what it looks like this is the map Your spiritual journey consists of next steps. And here's what we found. There's a lot of steps. Most of them have to do with steps toward joining. You're saying, Pastor John, what does that mean, steps toward joining? These have been so instrumental to the lives of the people that we've been walking with. We, We use them all the time. I've got individuals that are using these maps at a coffee shop. They're using them in their workplace. They're using them in their home, helping individuals. And if you'll tell them where you are in your spiritual journey, they'll help you get where you need to go. I remember Raven's story. She'd been coming to our church for several months, raised her hand, was born again, never missed a Sunday, but something seemed off in her. She took the opportunity to come to this intro to Next Steps, we put a map in front of her. And and we started talking about regular attendance. And she said, well, I regularly attend. And she checked the box. And we started talking about what it's like to be born again, to have a salvation relationship with Jesus. And she said, well, I've done that. And she checked the box. And we started talking about membership and what it meant to be not just a regular attender, but a committed member of the congregation. And she checked that box. And as we went box by box, there was boxes that she checked and boxes that she didn't. And when it was all said and done, she said, Pastor Don, I had no idea that there were all these steps that I could continue to take. You mean to tell me that there's more that I can do than just show up on a Sunday morning? Absolutely. So we started talking about all these different steps. There were steps toward joining. There were also steps toward growing that she didn't know about. Can you tell me in the Bible where it tells you how much of the Bible you should be reading on a regular basis? You can't find it, can you? Could it be that maybe the Bible expects that you would continue to grow in reading the Bible? If all you do every morning is read that verse of the day in your YouVersion Bible app, I love that. But can I help you? What would it look like if you actually opened the book and started reading the words that are on the page? Maybe there's a step for you to grow in that. We say, well, Pastor Don, I read 15 minutes a day. I love that. I remember when I started reading 30 and 45 and an hour a day. Right? There are steps to grow. I think that by the time Jesus comes back, I'm going to be reading more of my Bible than I have been because I want to take those steps toward growing. Where's the verse that says how much you should pray every day? doesn't say it. Why? Because the idea is that you would continue to grow and take those next steps. Your spiritual journey consists of next steps. You'll always be growing in those. There are steps toward joining, steps toward growing. Did you know that there are steps toward grouping that you could be taking here at church? Grouping, getting in together in a small group, a smaller environment. I hope you realize real life change doesn't happen in rows and pews on a Sunday morning. Real life change actually happens in circles and groups. It doesn't happen when somebody up here tells you something for you to do out there. It happens when you share with the people in your group what God is doing in your life and somebody looks at you and says, yeah, me too. More growth will happen in your life through a me too moment than it ever will in a thou shalt" moment coming from the stage. You need to be growing in a group. You can take those, those steps. Did you know that there are steps you could take towards serving here? This church would not exist if it weren't for the 70 to 80 people every Sunday that it takes to pull off a service. They're standing at the door and they're greeting and they're loving. I say this often at our church. We have individuals standing at the door. People have been opening doors for themselves for quite a long time. Quite a long time. That door doesn't need a greeter opening the door for you, right? But that greeter needs a door. That person needs a place to show up on Sunday morning and think, I can help. I can contribute. This place is better because of me. There are steps you could take. Most of you don't even know that kind of spiritual living because you've been consuming. What would it look like if you took a step today towards serving in your church? I'm telling you, there are steps you could take. There are steps you could take toward joining and steps you could take toward growing, steps you could take toward grouping and serving. There's also steps you could take toward leading. And you think it's fun taking steps that somebody else has taken. Wait till you see what it looks like when somebody else is taking steps that you've taken as well. That's when this thing gets fun. That's when you start seeing passion. That's when you start seeing purpose in your life. And you say, well, Pastor Don, there's a lot of steps on that map. How do I know which step is the best next step for me? Well, that's why you need a tour guide. That's why you need to introduce yourself to a relationship. We want to help you connect with somebody. So you take the best next step. That's why I need you to attend Intro to Next Steps. You only need to come once, but we're going to connect you with a relationship. Somebody who's taken the steps, who knows what steps are possible. And if you'll give them permission to know where you are, they'll create an opportunity for you to grow. I'm not trying to introduce you to a buffet. I'm trying to introduce you to a concierge. There's a difference, right? We're not trying to hurt everybody in the same direction. I mean, God brings you on different steps and different ways along in your spiritual journey. All right, last thought, and then we'll close. We're gonna to go to Zia's, and what are we gonna order? Thai ribs, Asian almond shrimp, and some corn grits. You're gonna thank me later for this. First thing I wanted you to know, your spiritual journey consists of next steps. Here's the second thing. You're further along than you think. You're further along than you think. When, when Kayla realized that we were lost and not arriving at our destination, get this, we didn't have to go all the way back to Broussard and start all over again, did we? What did we have to do going the wrong way on Johnson Street? We just had to turn around and take a right where I took a left. And can I tell you, with your spiritual journey, some of you can look back and you remember the exact day the exact moment, the person you were with and the decision that was before you when you tried to go your own way and it puts you on a completely different journey than the one God had you doing. Can I help you today if you're stuck? If you're in a completely different dirt journey or destination than you wanted to be at, you don't have to go all the way back. You just have to go to the last turn that you missed. I've heard Pastor Jacob say for years, you're never gonna grow past your last act of disobedience. What was the last thing that God asked you to do? Pastor Don, I haven't heard from God in a long time. I'll bet you if you did the last thing he told you, he might talk to you again about the next thing after you do that. Some of us don't realize we're still on a step that we've missed a long way away. But look at me, church. You're further along than you think. You're further along than you think. You don't have to start over. You say, well, Pastor Don, I'm, I'm new to Christianity. That's great. I love that. You know where you're at. Thank you for letting me know. Now let me help you take Next steps. I met a guy at the 9 a.m. service. This was his second time in church in his entire life. He said, Pastor Don, I don't know where to begin. I said, I do. Keep coming. Do you realize that regular attendance is a next step that you can take here at church? i was meeting with a young man at our New Iberia campus, and he said, Pastor Don, this is nine weeks in a row that I've been in church. I'm in my 30s now, and I haven't been in church since I was 16 years old. I'm now nine weeks in a row. I'm thinking, man, that's awesome. I told him, I said, I can't wait until we can no longer track how many weeks you've been in service. He sent me a text message a couple weeks ago. All it said was, 22, exclamation point. He's growing. He's taking those next steps. You say, well, Pastor Don, I've attended OSC for 20 years. I've done everything, all the things, every time. Do I still need to go to intro to next steps? Really? That depends. That depends on whether or not God wants to use you to help other people take their next steps. Let me ask you a question, church, those of you that have been here for a long time. Does Matthew 28, 19 say, go therefore and be disciples? What does it say? Yeah, it does. It says, go and make disciples. And here's the challenge that we've seen over the years. It's really easy to help somebody take steps themselves, it's a little harder to get them to understand they're supposed to help other people take steps behind them. I'm not inviting you to a buffet. Remember, I'm, I'm trying to help you, inv- invite you with a concierge relationship. And I'm so committed to pastoring this way. Once I've seen how helpful it is, man, when, when you're trying to get somebody to take a step and they take a step and they grow and they take another step and they grow and then they've invited other people to come along with them, it changes you and it changes the way you grow. We're so committed to discipleship, we're gonna keep talking about it over and over and over again. And here's what I need you to hear, here's what I need you to understand when we start talking about your spiritual journey and we use the phrase next steps. If somebody asks you, are you taking next steps? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give someone permission to know where you're at. That's what it means. Am I taking next steps? Have I given somebody permission to know where I'm at? Here's the next thing. I want you to take the next step that they help you find. Take the next step that they help you find. And then lastly, I would tell you this, keep going. Give somebody permission. Take the step that they put in front of you and keep going. And if you do that, I promise you, this will not be the same church. This will not be the same church. How many of you want some Zias for lunch today? What are you going to order when you get there? Asian almond shrimp. What else? Roasted corn grits. Don't end up at Mel's. Mel's, I love you. I'm so grateful um, to you today. Listen, your growth is important. How many of you know somebody that should be in church today, but they're not? How many of you know somebody that should be further along in their spiritual journey than they are? We're still praying for people. There are still people in Acadiana that need Jesus. There are still empty seats in this pew. If we're going to be the kind of church that continues to change the region, we need to be the kind of people that continue to grow. Only the gospel will tear down pride, poverty, and prejudice in a region. Only the gospel will. But the best way to get the gospel into a community is through a local church. And the best way to have a strong local church is to have a congregation where the people are taking their next steps and growing spiritually. And I promise you this, if you will grow spiritually, this place will get strong. If this place gets strong, that gospel will go out and pride, poverty, and prejudice will be <laughs> tore down in our area. Pastor Don, I feel like I've still got a long way to go. Let me tell you one last story, and then I'll pray for you. Growing up, there was a show I used to watch a lot on television. It was the Cosby Show. How many of you remember the Cosby Show? Yeah. My favorite character was Rudy, little Rudy, the youngest daughter of the Cosby families. In one episode, she came busting in the kitchen, and she was fed up. She'd had enough. She was done. She said, I'm quitting school. I'm I'm not going back. Quitting school. Her oldest sister, amused at the frustration of her little sister sitting at the kitchen table, says, well, Rudy, you're in the fourth grades here. What, what, what could you possibly do with your life if you stop school right now? And it's as if Rudy had thought about it for months. She said this, well, I'm going to teach third grade. I'm, I'm going to teach third grade. That's, that's, all I'm gonna, that's all I need to do with life. I've been through fourth grade. I'm going to teach third grade. What's the big deal? And I started thinking about that spiritually, and I thought, how many people refuse to allow God to use them because they think they're only in the fourth grade in their spiritual life, what would it look like if God used you to help somebody in the first grade or help somebody in the second grade or help somebody in the third? Pastor John, you don't understand. I only read my Bible 15 minutes a day. Then find somebody that's only reading it five minutes a day and help them grow to where you're at. Find somebody that's reading it 30 minutes a day and ask them what step they took so you can put your foot in that step and continue to grow as well. Look at James chapter 1. This is James, the language of action. He's taking steps. Here's what he says. Verse 22, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by the things that happen at church. Is that what it says? No, written and fulfilled by what? Your life. God wants to use your life to make this thing happen? When did we think that Christianity involves bringing people to church? Like somehow this is this big machine and you pour pour in people and cogs spin and wheels turn and whistles blow and bloop, out pops a Christian. It doesn't work like that. God uses you. He uses what you've done in your life. He uses people watching you and the things that he's done. God will never do something in your life that he doesn't want to do through your life. This thing that God's writing, this poetry, is written and fulfilled by your life. Look at this, verse 23. If you listen to the word and you don't live out the message that you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and, what's that word? And they respond to the truth they hear and they're strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Here's what that last sentence is saying. If you want to experience God's blessing, you need to respond. You need to respond to what God has spoken. You'll see this all throughout creation You'll see this in scripture. You'll see this. This is the way the kingdom works. God speaks, and we respond. Think about creation, Genesis chapter one. God said, let there be light. He spoke, and what happened? Creation responded. You want God to work in your life. You need to hear the truth, and you need to do what to it? You need to respond. I'm going to ask you today, how do we respond to what God is speaking to us? I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I ask you to do this not because any other reason other than I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to eliminate distractions from you right now. We're not moving around. We're not rustling together. We're not getting our things together. We're not putting our purses together and all that. We're just listening right now to what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us. You say, honestly, Pastor Don, I don't know where I am in terms of my relationship with God. How can I possibly take a next step? I want to tell you that is your next step, to have a relationship with him. You may not know where you are with him, but I promise you, he knows exactly where he is with you. He's orchestrated the events that brought you here today. You could have been at any other church in Acadiana, but he decided to bring you here today. There could have been any other pastor but he has me here. I could have been speaking on any other message, but he has me speaking on next steps. There's a step for you to take, and he wanted you to hear it this way. And I believe that God wants you to do something, wants to do something in your life so that he can do something in this church that will do something in this community. But I need to help you. Jesus was having a conversation with a very rich and religious man, and he said this to him. He was asking about the kingdom and God's way of doing things and what Jesus was talking about, much like what I've been saying today. And Jesus looked at that man and he said, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. He goes on to tell him that there's a birth that happens through water. We all know that when a pregnant woman gives birth, the water breaks. He says there's a second birth that happens with the spirit. The spirit starts working in somebody's life and it takes them from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Well, Pastor Don, how do I know if the Holy Spirit's been working in my life today? How do I know that I was spiritually dead and now I'm spiritually alive? I would tell you it's as simple as A, B, C. A is admit. If the Holy Spirit is working in your life today, you'll be able to admit, probably for the first time, that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. You've made some turns. You you took a left when God wanted you to take a right, and it's left you on an entirely different journey than the one you know God has planned for you today. If the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you'll be able to admit that today. A is admit, B is believe. What am I believing? Maybe for the first time today, you can believe that God sent his son Jesus. Not for everybody. Oh, you believed that before, but today you believe that he sent him just for you. That because of the life he lived, you get to have a life that God wants you to live. Because of the death that he paid, you don't have to pay for your sin with your own death. He paid a debt that you couldn't pay so you could live a life that God wanted you to live. If the Holy Spirit is working in your life today, you'll be able to see that. You'll believe it. And here's C. C is confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The salvation part is easy when you need a Savior. When I'm stuck, when I can't move, when my life isn't going right, that's when I need a Savior. What about Lord? That's where it really matters. And maybe for the first time today, you're ready to turn over the decision-making of your spiritual journey back to the Father. A, I can admit. B, I believe. C, I'm ready to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want to know. Is God speaking to you to be born again today? In just a minute, I'm going to lead us into prayer. And before I do, I want to know everybody that would say, Pastor Don, I've never prayed to be born again today, but I want to. God is speaking to me, and I need to respond. And I want to invite you right there where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or embarrass you in any other way. I just want you to do two things. One, I want you to raise your hand, and two, I want you to look up at me. Every other head is bowed, every other eye is closed. We're saying, Pastor Don, I want to be born again. I need God to move in my life. I need him to help me get unstuck today. Right there where you're at, I want you to raise your hand and look up at me. Thank you. I see your hand raised. You can put it back down. Thank you, you two sitting together. I see your hand. I'm looking all across this room. Thank you, I see your hand. Both of you together, I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, in the back, I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand. I see your hand too. God's got some steps for you to take. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. There's is the journey ahead, and it starts with this. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for making that decision. Anybody else? Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand all across this room. I see your hands. If I've I've acknowledged, you can put your hand down one more time. Thank you, little man, I see your hand. I see you, thank you for raising your hand. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. One more time before I pray and lead those of us Uh, in a prayer to acknowledge what the Holy Spirit is doing. You haven't raised your hand yet, but you know you need to. I know it's a step. I know it's a big step. Thank you. I see your hand. One more time. There you go. Thank you for not missing this moment. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, little man, I see your hand. I love this. I'll do this all day long. I'm not in a rush. Thank you. I see your hand. In the back, I see your hand too. This is what it looks like for God to speak to you and you to respond. I'm so proud of you. You raising your hand is taking a step. Every step you take makes the next step easier. Last time, as I look across the room. Fantastic, church. Here's what we're gonna do. Thank you, I see your hand. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And I need you to understand, it's not the prayer that saves you. God has saved you. The Holy Spirit has made you from spiritual dead to spiritually alive but we want to acknowledge what he's doing and what he's done in our lives today. I'm going to ask everybody to say this prayer with us, but especially those of you that raised your hand. Repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, and I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.